The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vince Rocco, your host, and you are listening to Good Morning New York, coming to you live today from New York City, where the temperature is 28 degrees and snow is in the forecast. I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. Today we're going to talk about the Washington and the greater Baltimore uh, metropolitan area with a new administration in Washington. How will that affect the local real estate market? Uh, how will it change or will it? Existing home sales closed out 2016 as the best year in a decade, even as sales declined in December as a result of ongoing affordability tensions and historically low supply levels, this according to the National Association of Realtors. Total existing home sales, which are complicated transactions that included single-family homes, townhomes, condominiums, and co-ops, finished 2016 at 5.45 million sales and surpassed 2015 at 5.25 million sales as the highest since 2006, where 6.48 million sales were recorded. My guest today is no stranger to the metro Baltimore region and the D.C. market. She is Marcy Yankelov with 15 years experience. She is a native of the Baltimore uh, greater uh, Baltimore area. She works diligently as a full-service realtor specializing in foreclosures and bank-owned properties, first-time and experienced buyers' rentals, and listing homes for resale. Marcy lives in Mount Vernon, in the Mount Vernon section of Baltimore. Good morning, and great to see you. Good morning, Vince. Uh, the panel will be here in the next uh, segment for the rest of the show, but right now we want to talk a little bit about your marketplace because, as I said at the top of the show, with a new administration in town, the focus always is on Washington. What is Washington about? What is happening in the real estate market? What is happening, you know, in both D.C. and in Baltimore or the surrounding, you know, Maryland and Virginia towns? So let's get right to it. Baltimore real estate development remains very active and in 2017 will be another year with many new projects coming online, a lot of construction and likely many new proposed developments. In addition to new development, how is the resale business? So it sounds to me like the new development business is booming or continuing to boom. How is the resale business overall? The resale business is very steady. Um, the inventory remains slightly low. So there are fewer homes for buyers to choose from. And with interest rates, interest rates still very low, we're seeing a lot of activity in the resale market. What is what is um how how big is the new development market? We talk a lot about this on Good Morning New York here because in New York City the new development marketplace is huge and it sometimes seems to us like more people want to buy brand new than they want to buy resale. So how how does that split work in the in the Baltimore metropolitan region? In the Baltimore area, it's probably very similar. Um, there is not they're not creating new land. So when you talk about new construction, you're talking about buildings that are being renovated. So conversions versus conversions, brand new. 
conversions versus brand new or row homes that are being gutted and renovated and resold as newly renovated. Um, those markets tend to be very strong because there are a lot of um, a lot of tax advantages and things that are available to people that buy homes that have that have been newly renovated. So let's talk a little bit about the the row houses because you and I have talked about this through the years and you know I have great interest in them and we talked a little bit about it at the top of the show. So in a good neighborhood, let's pick the Harbor District, if I'm saying that correctly, by the water. You know, what can you pick up a, 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 a converted or renovated, you know, row house for in in U.S. dollars and, and then we'll compare and contrast it to the New York City marketplace, which will be, you know, off the charts. So in the um, in the neighborhoods that are close to the harbor, that would be um, Federal Hill, Canton, um, parts of um, another um, little area called Otterbine, which is another historic little historic neighborhood. These neighborhoods that were historically, you know, the workers, people that worked at the harbor. Um, now the closer it used to be, the closer you got to the water, the worse it was. Now mm-hmm. it's the closer you get to the water, the better it is. Same here. Um, a small condominium. Um, which would be just a basic two-bedroom, two-bath that may look similar to an apartment, will run you um, in the low twos to uh, low to mid-200s. A house, um, which we call a row house. You guys call them brownstones. We call them row homes. Mm-hmm. Um, a small row home, which might be around 900 square feet, would still be in that under 300 mark. And then as you get larger and more historic and grander, um, you're going to get up into the fours and fives and sixes and uh, are those, higher. Oh, okay. So they will go that high. Are they 19-footers or are they 17-foot? How wide are these houses? They vary. Okay. They vary. Um, the small alley streets, the house could be as, as narrow as five of narrow as 12 feet wide. Wow. So you're talking about you know a very small little dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Before we get move on and do and do a few more things here, it's in your experience, and you've been doing this a long time. What is the the most favorite housing stock? What do people mostly look at? Single house, single family homes, row houses, condos, co ops, apartments. What is like the 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 most attractive in, for the Baltimore area? You know, purchasers or buyers out there. It's a really difficult question because it changes by the neighborhood. So in uh, Baltimore, your lifestyle choice is based on the neighborhood. Okay. And once you choose a neighborhood, each neighborhood has very specific things. It may be more condo-oriented or more row home-oriented. So it really is your lifestyle choice by neighborhood and then what is available in that neighborhood. Strong buyer demand and the prospect of looser federal regulations since Donald Trump's election to the White House have spurred stock prices for the national nation's largest home investors. Here in New York, the stock market's booming. You know, the, the real estate market is starting to pick up. How has this, since the new administration came in, how has this affected the Baltimore marketplace, or has it? I haven't seen anything dramatic in the last, you know, two weeks. Because we're talking about a pretty short time right now. I will say this, that Baltimore is... Historically, an industrial blue-collar city. Mm-hmm. Um, that history gives puts it in a good position. Um, we still have a lot of people think of Baltimore as being tourism-based. We still have one of the largest ports on the East Coast. And that industry creates a lot of... Um, a lot of income, a lot of foreign investors that feed the economy. And we're hoping that that in turn will generate real estate. Let's let's talk about the type of investors because you and I offline, you know, many times talk about, you know, the the investor types that come to Baltimore or the Baltimore metropolitan region 
to invest? Who are these people? Where are they coming from? And really, what are they investing in? So that's a good question. There, um, There's a couple of different uh, well, ways to answer that question. So there are sophisticated investors that are investing in large projects where they might buy a high-rise building or something that was commercially used uh, previously used as a commercial high-rise for business and is being converted into apartments or condominiums for resale. Um, we have a really big boom right now in apartment living, apartments that are for rent. Is um, the millennials? Everyone likes to talk about the I millennials, to ask right? You about the millennials, right? So, so the millennial, are, you know, a lot of them are very hesitant. One of my favorite topics, right? So a lot of them are very hesitant to buy a home. They don't want to buy a home. They don't want to put roots down. So they're creating this demand for luxury apartments that are costing more than costing them more a month than if they did buy, but they're choosing not to buy. So there's a, a very big surge in apartments. Um, there are long-term investors who are people you know who are still recovering from having their money in um, in the stock market. They don't want it in the stock market anymore, so they're pulling it out. They're buying properties that are income producing and parking their money. Um, we have people that are, so there's the rental income. Then there are underground areas that have been long underserved that people are able to purchase entire blocks and sort of, you know, they're kind of the lunatic fringe neighborhoods where they're hoping that if they can regenerate a whole block that they're going to be able to turn the whole neighborhood around. Let me ask you something about the people who work inside um, the Beltway. So these are either government workers or people who just happen to work inside what we call the, the, the Beltway, which is traditionally a Washingtonian term. So do people who, who work there live in Baltimore? And if they do, why? Absolutely. Um, many of um, our buyers in Baltimore come from the D.C. area because it's so affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, in D.C., they can purchase, um, you know, what they can purchase in D.C., if they even can purchase in D.C., and what the, compared to what they can buy in Baltimore for the same price is very different. And to live in Baltimore and earn a D.C. salary, you can live a pretty nice life and own a home. What? What um, so we we mentioned millennials before. So would these be the millennials who are maybe first time buyers buying in Baltimore or in the metropolitan surrounding region, but yet still have to commute to Baltimore? Is it more the millennial types, or is it just about anybody? It could. It's pretty much just about anybody. How long of a commute is it from Baltimore um, to to Washington proper, Washington D.C.? So that's a trick question. Um, it depends on the day, and Same if here anyone is broken down, right? Same here in New York. So um, it is geographically pretty close. Um, chronologically, it can take you a very long time. Most people take the Mark commuter, which is a commuter train that has multiple stops throughout the city, mm-hmm. and takes you right into um, Union Station in D.C. And then you take the metro, you know, to wherever you're final destination is. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about Airbnb. It's a, it's a hot button of mine here in New York City. It is against the law here. It's illegal here in New York City, but of course around the globe, it's it's this phenomenon that just doesn't seem to go away. Do you see a lot of investors coming into the Baltimore area for the specific purpose of using their, their new property as an Airbnb rental opportunity? Absolutely. That is absolutely. Um, and you also see a lot of people who may have bought their home in the height of the market and aren't in a position um, to sell because maybe they don't have a lot of equity. And instead of renting to a traditional renter, they're putting their house on Airbnb and renting it. 
it, it's very interesting. So um, is this in all areas of the Baltimore metropolitan area or is it just in specific places that are more attractive to a person coming in uh, as an Airbnb guest for a night, a day, a week, whatever it is? I think that depend, it depends on the neighborhood. Um, every, like I said earlier, every neighborhood has very specific, has, is very unique. So some have, you know, closer proximities to certain hospitals. Um, a lot of the people that come in to Baltimore, both short and long term, are coming for medical reasons because we have, fortunately, we have, you know, University of Maryland, we have Johns Hopkins. So people are coming from all over the world. And that you know provides them with a place to stay. We have about a minute left to this segment. Uh, what is the name of the company you work for? Allison James Estates and Homes Elite. And how can they be in touch with you if they're interested in investing in the Baltimore marketplace? They can um, look me up online or they can call me at 443-858-9113. Repeat that again. 443-858-9113. Any last minute thoughts on what you might want to tell the folks out there? Remember, we, 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 we are a global audience. So everybody out there who's listening want to know something special about the Baltimore marketplace. I think it's still one of the most affordable places to live and it has incredible proximity to transportation. Um, BWI Airport, which is a large international airport, can get you anywhere in the world you want to go. Um, a lot of our New York investors invest in Baltimore because it's only a three-hour drive. And um, it's it's a wonderful place. It's a small city that has a lot to offer. All right, Marcy Ankelov from Baltimore. Thank you for being here today. Good friend of mine. We will talk to you soon. And we are going to commercial break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. One of the things that I love about my job is that every client's needs are different and every property is a new challenge. So recently I got a compliment from a young woman who we sold her $400,000 apartment in downtown Manhattan. And she wrote online, Patrick treated the sale of my $400,000 home as if it was a $10 million property. Do you have any idea how great that made me feel? I felt like a million bucks. Impeccable service designed for each client is what matters to me most. I'm Patrick Lilly with CORE, and this is what I do. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back and we're talking to the panel. But before we get to them and they're ready to go, we need to do some news items. So a condo tower rising in what's billed as Manhattan's newest neighborhood reported that more than a quarter of its 285 units have sold since marketing began in September, a sign that local buyers are willing to commit 
to the borough's far west side. Signed contracts at 15 Hudson Yards range from about $2 million for a one-bedroom apartment to about $10 million for a three-bedroom unit. Amazing. Related Companies, which is developing the $25 billion Hudson Yards commercial and residential project with Oxford Properties Group, said, quote, 70% of the buyers are New Yorkers coming from downtown or the Upper West Side. Very interesting fact. We are definitely getting those primary buyers who are coming here. So it's not just foreigners. According to the recent curbed analysis, New York City residential uh, renovations were up 375% from a decade ago, and it doesn't look like it will be slowing down anytime soon. Their numbers show that Queens saw the biggest upsurge in home renovations over the other boroughs with a 162% increase, and Jackson Heights, Forest Hills, and Woodside leading the pack of neighborhoods with the most revamping. Though the financial district is one of Manhattan's trending neighborhoods, the Upper West Side and the Upper East Side were Manhattan. Top renovators. Interesting. The amount of residential renovations happening in the Bronx, particularly in the Riverdale section, has also drastically increased over the past decade. In Brooklyn, Park Slope was the borough's top renovator, with Brooklyn Heights trailing right behind. Williamsburg's anticipated Whole Foods, which opened in July, has apparently turned into a nightmare for nearby dwellers. It isn't the stroller mobs or aggressive return smoothie sippers that are the root of the problem, but delivery trucks rolling up and unloading at the uh, casual hour of 3 a.m. This is not what they left Manhattan for, so they say. The city says it will spend inspectors to see if the store is violating a noise code. Meanwhile, Whole Foods, Whole Foods does sell plenty of natural sleep aids. I say be careful what you ask for. Anyway, very interesting news on the renovations. We'll chat about that in a minute. Today, uh, we're talking to my panel. Luis Phillips Forbes is here from uh, Halstead Property. Now Lundgren from Compass, Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, and special guest panelist today, Sean McPeak, also from Compass. Good morning, everybody. Morning, Vince. Morning. morning. How morning. is everybody? Doing well. I think everyone's feeling awesome. good today. Doing good. Yeah. Feeling happy good? Happy Tuesday. Well, snow is on the way. I'm not happy about that. I, I thought got it was, my heels on still. I thought it was going to be snowing when I woke up. I was a little I got mine on too. I'm not wearing boots. <laughs> <laughs> Vince always has his heels on. There you have it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we come on, we gotta lighten up the mood a little bit. <laughs> Listen, I agree. So let's start out with some twenty seventeen predictions. Will an increase in interest rates create a buying frenzy in New York City real estate? I mean, we've touched on this a little bit, you know, in the past couple of weeks on the show, but will it really, you know, set on fire the real estate market because, you know, setting aside the the all cash buyers, you know, we have people who finance and a lot of people who finance. So will this really create, which I think we're all hoping for, a buying frenzy in this town? I think that we can take a look at what what our experiences have been in the first three to four weeks um, from the end of 2016 to today and take a look that people are now off the fence. I had 38 people at an open house for a $2.2 million piece of property. And I have five offers on it. Right, well, home, 2.2? 2.2. Wow. Where, what's the location, had, by the way? That's on 5th Avenue and 96th Street. Got it. Um, that's amazing. I, I also had uh, another, uh, like, uh, downtown in the West Village. I had 12 people at a two point, uh, excuse me, a $3.4 million two-bedroom. So that's, and that, that's a lot of activity, and I have offers on that. So I just want, I think one of the things that we need to do and our responsibility is to tell our buyers, take, take a walk down history. You know, down I, just, memory lane. I, I, I came into the business in 1989, and interest rates were 11.7%. Yeah. 
I so was to one borrow $100,000, it cost you $1,170. So it's all relative. And, and I, I read an article where they made a comment that, you know, it's an all-time high rates for the last two years. And it's like, wait a minute, what about the last 30 years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's all perspective and confidence is that, you know, it is the greatest wealth has always been made by owning. And so it's really a decision to want to own. We always talk about that too. And and I think the, the, the word out of that is confidence. And when I see, you know, the, the marketplace getting more confident, that's when I see things happening. Regardless of interest rates, regardless of prices in some point, you know, or at some time, if people or buyers in particular are confident, that's, I think, what moves the marketplace. I expect us to be all very busy this entire I, year. I, I think so. I agree with that. I had, a, you know, just to talk about like the West Village, I had a, a $2.3 million listing and I had an open house this weekend. And in December, I was getting six people to the mm-hmm. open house. I had 18 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It was I, literally the moment one o'clock hit, it They're was off the fence. nonstop and it was only for an hour and a half. And I was there for two and a half hours. <laughs> I was thrown at mine too because I had getting a trickle effect of two here, three there, maybe one, maybe nobody. All of a sudden, this past Sunday, it was I was I was yeah. whacked. Yeah, and I, I just couldn't get over it. I thought, wait a minute, what's happening here? All good. But yeah. to go All further good. into the interest rate, you know, conversation. But first of all, um, you had a hundred people at one of your open houses. I think you said a hundred. That's a lot. Whoa. Somebody, um, no, somebody, somebody no, said not that. me. Maybe Pearl. <laughs> but my my open houses were busy the last two weekends. But I don't know about one hundred people. <laughs> but um, somebody I saw on Facebook this morning had a hundred people at their open house. I don't remember who it was. I, I know it was a uh, it was a Tribeca. I think it was three fifty eight Broadway. Correct. And it was with uh, a couple guys uh, that are at Compass now. And you guys uh, are on. On your computers, yeah. Way too there you much. go. Wow. Yeah, I saw okay. that this morning. It was a like, two bedroom listed at one point six nine five in Tribeca. Absolutely. It was a loft. Absolutely, oh, I don't. Why. Yeah. So Look. to go back on the on the topic, um, yesterday I had a closing with one of my clients who actually is a Yay. trader in the bonds market, and so we were constantly talking about the interest rates, and we're constantly talking on this show about managing expectations, but it's also about managing perception. So so I think that the interest rate, you know, ebbs and flows, it's less about what actually happens and more about the perception of it. Because if we talk about, which I agree with everyone about, that is what's going to drive people to buy and make moves. Because if you think about Trump and his, what he wants to do and his inflation interests, that all drives interest rates to rise potentially two to three times this year. And so when people think about that, they think about the Fed meeting this week, they think about the Fed meeting in March, and they it's expected exactly and they They try to assume and they try to expect what's going to happen and everyone kind of if they're smart i think everyone thinks the same way which is for example this fed meeting it's very rare i think that they will actually you know increase rates because it's too soon after the admin's been started um but then if you look at history like louise said it's most likely that in march it probably will because there's given but some time and but even if it un- unemployment it's exactly to to a lot of factors and people's entire jobs are to analyze those projections exactly and we need to listen and today rates for 30 years are are at um three and seven eighths so that's down from 4.1 exactly so the, the rates are amazing they're, they're still and, historically low and amazing and there are banks today that are are you know, uh, Wells Fargo has products that you can let rate. <clears throat> you can lock your rate for twenty four months. Mm-hmm. Now, 
it's it's virtually an insurance policy. Well, well, for new development too, that's that's yeah, wonderful. All right, moving on. As the real estate market continues to reset, how will this affect the new condo development boom? You know, like everything else in 2016, everything sort of said, well, you know, I don't know, lack of confidence, lack of a whole bunch of things. How is this reset going to affect the condo development boom? I think that. My developers, you know, I I like to find money with time, meaning I underwrite my development projects and and operate very conservatively. A lot of projects have been sold with sort of prefixed, very, very high numbers. And, you know, if developers are smart, they're going to be in and out and they're going to value engineer and look at their prices on a conservative rate so that they can take advantage of this time. I could not agree with Luis more. Um, two weeks ago, I had a meeting with one of my developers that is um, going through the project in Tribeca. Um, and they were talking to me about their pro forma numbers. And they had been talking to two other brokers that are arguably in the top five in the entire city. And their pro forma numbers were so high. And I could not believe it. And I honestly said to them, you know, you need to be more conservative, not only in today's time, but in general. I can't believe that these huge brokers, no offense, because Luis, you're a huge broker. So I don't, you're an amazing huge broker though. These, these other ones. I paid you five bucks to say that. (laughs) I just don't understand. It's like they want, they just want them to do the project and they don't care if they fail. And I'm much more, I have your back. I'm going to be honest with you. If this is not your project because the pro forma numbers don't work, I'll have your other projects. Two to three years down the road, interest rates aren't going to be 5%. No, exactly. They are going to continue to climb. So you have to manage that. All right, so how is this all affecting prices? Prices, you know, uh, purchase prices, sale prices in new development and in resale. Because, you know, as we've talked about for many weeks on the show and people keep emailing me about my opinion, you know, we are correcting, we are resetting as the as the, the correct term is these days. But are we, are we, and I'm asking this every week until I get the answer I want to hear, are we in a buyer's market? Yes. I absolutely yes. think we have, we are in a shift and we have shifted. And if you are a seller and you have to analyze what's right for you as an individual. But I don't see it forecasting as some big seller's market, particularly the resale co-op market, which I think has been hit and lagging the greatest. The greatest. And we're going to talk about that after the break. So um, we, we agree then, you know, we've, we've shifted the prices of coming down a little bit. This brings up buyer confidence. So local real estate success, as we talked about before, is always about consumer confidence based on strong economic environments. Are we there yet with the consumer? So we may say that the the prices are coming down a little bit to match the buyer's expectation. The sellers have to kind of adjust to that. But are we there yet, you know, with all consumers or better said, as an industry here in New York City? I think buyers are still enough, as much as me, enough to move through 2017 much more robustly as we have been. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. I think this is probably a mixed answer. Like a mixed, you'll get a lot of different answers because I think that while consumers and buyers are more confident that they were um, and more willing to pull the trigger because of where interest rates are going per se, um, I also feel that they are. They're a little, you know, it's it's an interesting thing because when I talk to my clients, you know, as much as they'll say, oh, wow, the Dow hit 20 for the first time in its history last week, there's also a, while that's a positive, there's also a negative with that. They then go... But then, you know, it scares us a little How bit long because is it gonna it's last? so high. You have to think that it's going to pop, you know. So it, mm-hmm. everyone kind of feels different ways. Um, I, I think that's a mixed question. I think some are, some aren't. I think we're going to, we're they are projecting nationally six over 
million transactions. That's a lot, significantly more than what we saw in 2016. And you think about places like New York, which we lagged compared to Portland, Chicago, Atlanta, Nashville, Tennessee, these other cities that you can still purchase things for 300 Baltimore, where you can buy yeah. something for $300,000, $400,000. Our first-time buyers are, you know, um, dominating that market. And with the increase in interest rates, I think there are people that are going to be shut out. No, I think there too. We've been just seeing a lot of people sitting on the sidelines, and now that the the interest rates coming, the administrators kind of settled a little bit. We know what's going on, although there's obviously a little bit of instability politically. You know, it, we're it's, set. It's, it's an understatement. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're set. It, it's here. People realize that, and when you see the Dow at twenty thousand. What does that mean? A lot, of people, a lot of people are pulling it out. Yeah. Buy low, Liquidate. sell high. That's right. it. People we, are pulling it out and they're putting in real estate. We have to leave it right there. We'll be back after these messages. We're going to talk about first-time buyers and how the inventory is uh, lightening up a little bit or not. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back, and I'm sitting here with Louise Phillips-Forbes from Halstead Property, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, and Sean McPeak <clears throat> excuse me, from Compass. All right, uh, continuing along the lines of the 2017 predictions, uh, how is the New York City inventory looking these days for resale and new development? So just in general, uh, the New York City marketplace, how is it looking for 2017 um, inventory, that is? Um, I, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, recycled listings. Um, a, lot of, a lot of listings that I saw on the market last fall for buyers are relisted with a new broker. 
And so I'm seeing a lot of expired listings that are coming back. And, uh, you know, it seems like the owners... Where are those pricings? Shifted? Um, some of the prices have gone down. Most it, of those are resale? Yes, all resale for these. Um, and it looks like the uh, owners are still not listening to their new brokers. But, uh, you know, it, it is uh, it is not the, great, the greatest time of year to relist an apartment, honestly. Sean, explain that a little bit. Because when you say that, Ooh, you know, recycled listings, I think that's a great term. And I don't think a lot of people out there in, in our listener uh, land understand what that means. So... It's it's a listing I've I've essentially shown to a buyer or I've looked at or sent them already, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it's come back. It's the same listing that they took off for the holidays, or maybe they relisted with a new broker. So you're seeing photos and you're like, oh, this kind of looks familiar. And then you know you look at the hit listing history and you say, sure enough, this was on in December, and November. Now is it safe to say that it it was on whenever and it came off and now it's back on because the original listing price was off. The original listing price was too high. And they took a little bit of a reprieve. And as you said a little while ago, maybe it's back again, but maybe they're still not listening to their new listing agent and maybe the price is still not right. So I'm going to say, I, I disagree with that. It's not a good time to list. My opinion is that now that interest rates are actually moving and going to move and there's no question of it, there is a pent up group of of educated buyers that are prepared and off the fence with evidence with our open houses. But I'm talking eight, 10 and 12 million. I mean, the townhouse market, we had only last week, 13 transactions only went to contract from 4 million up. Some of those 21 million, one of them 17 million, two townhouses. And that is because the meeting of the mind and the shifted attitude of those sellers are absolutely you 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 need to lock and load. Well, and there's that, a lot of pent up demand. I think that's exactly what it is, and why we're seeing a little bit of a slingshot effect, especially after the election. But, but the number of contract signs from last week, if you look at it, it's the lowest number of contract signs of four million and above transactions yeah, yeah. since 2010. Yes. So it's still lagging. But, but, was, but wasn't that like higher? The, there was what twelve contracts signed in the last two weeks of December in the four million dollar mm-hmm. price range. So, is that is that re- like an adjustment because there was a lot of lot of contracts signed? Right and I'm waiting end? to hear about what and the January gonna number is going to be yeah. because that's going to be even higher. So I I don't know. I think yeah. that it's just I think we're it's still it's still sluggish. But I think we're going to see a frenzy. I well, mean, I think, too, is- it's important, right? When you talk, we were talking about the condo market and, and where developers are and, and, and pro formas. And, you know, obviously, developer, developers have to raise money mm-hmm. in order to get their projects out there, right? So they want to show that they're going to be able to do it. And then, like Maddie was saying, you have to come to come to terms with actually what's happening in the market. And you see now that developers who are not dropping their prices, what are they going to start doing? Looking for other brokers, right? They think the marketing's not there, potentially. And that might be it's the case. Something. It might not be the case. You just cannot make up the market. And exactly. It's one thing to underwrite something for two years from now, but today is today. Exactly. And That's and I point. don't really project um, and, and price things on what's sold. I price things on what is in contract. So I pick up the phone, I call Matt, and I'm like, dude, what'd you get for that apartment? And, you know, if they're asking to me and we got a million eight, that's data point. That's mm-hmm. not public knowledge. That's right. And I agree. that's why Great we point. have to work together on that. We, I agree. Oh, our I manager also... at CORE told me last week that um, in the month of first three weeks of January, the amount of contracts signed at CORE 
far surpassed that in December. So obviously we're on some kind of a roll the first three first three weeks of this mm-hmm. new year. So again, I mean, let's hey, just hope it continues. If we look back, I agree with Luis. I mean, if we if we look back at November and December, we did keep on saying that you know the market was hotter than usual in that time period mm-hmm. um, because of what Luis was saying about now. And I agree that now is actually a really good time to come back on the market if you were off because of the urgency. You know, and a really good example of that is, I mean, you know, there are people that do need to upgrade to apartments, for example, and aren't just buying one. So if you think about it that way also, you know, people who need to sell and potentially get a bigger place who are getting mortgages, they're not only wanting to sell quickly now because of just everything going on in the interest rate world, but they also then want to quickly buy soon after and solidify that so that they can, you know, um, just secure a good interest rate for their bigger loan. Um, So I, I, you know, not to sound really harsh on, but but I do think it's a really good time to come back on the market. But I think it's important to be come back on the market at the right price and listen to your broker, right? right? Not not with unrealistic expectations. It always comes down, we've said this for years, it always comes down to price. Good markets, bad markets, on market, off market, Correct. back again. You're right. It always comes down to price because, look, the consumer out there, I'm in this business 15 years, and in the beginning, I would say the consumer really was uneducated and not really intelligent when it came to New York City real estate prices, anything else r- related. Today, they know a lot more than a lot of brokers in this town. <laughs> so if you don't come back with the right price, you're going to be hanging. However, interpreting the data is not something that a layman is actually that, uh, you know, they need to be, they need to have enough uh, context, context. There's the checks and balances. So they can have all their education, which they are, you know, pretty educated these days, but without us to tell them that the data that they're reading is right or wrong, it goes nowhere. Let's move on and complete the 2017 predictions. First time buyers, where are we with them? What, I guess my question is, what is the mindset today in January of 2017 of the first-time buyer, whereby it may be different from what they were thinking about in 2016? What may be new with them today? Activity. I I just say activity. A lot of the first-time buyers that I've been working with the last, I'd probably say, five or six months, not too too active here and there, going to open houses now, all all about it. I'm sending out three or four or five buyers on Sunday and holding open houses. To expand, I mean, I just think a sense of urgency is set in, you know, because I think a lot of people react to the news and they're mm-hmm. seeing interest rates, they're hearing it, and when they do that, you know, I'm getting calls. I think we're all seeing a little more activity. So you think in January, since the end of the year and the holidays, whatever, the sense of urgency is, as we, I think, predicted in 2016, is kicking in now. Absolutely. And getting them off their sofa on Sunday. They used to have a lot houses. more time, I think. And I minds. also think Open that this past weekend has been amazing. I yeah. think that they're also trying to buy longer, so <clears throat> looking for a straight two-bedroom, yeah. one that's now convertible, and maybe they have to do work, that they can convert it to the dining area to a third bedroom so that they can have flexibility in their time. Absolutely. Okay, moving on. An uptick in property prices, as we were talking about, was evident across all five boroughs throughout the year, attracting wealthy buyers across all neighborhoods, especially in Tribeca. Tribeca, with a median sale price of more than $4 million, is New York's most expensive place to live. The neighborhood, once a warehouse district in the 60s, saw a 19% year-over-year rise in prices. Soho came in second with a median price of $3.5 million. Um, you know, what is it about these two particular neighborhoods that – still attracts so many people, families, 
and and the very wealthy to want to be in these two neighborhoods. I bet Soho and Tribeca, just to, just to clarify, Soho and Tribeca. Soho and Tribeca. Well, I think Soho will always have this panache of being that, you know, neighborhood where you can get like an artsy loft and, you know, it's also very celebrity driven and there's, you know, just a lot of great shopping and I definitely think it Large will spaces. never, yeah, I don't think it'll ever lose that. So um, it's a low rise texture, you know, the fabric mm, of the neighborhood correct. is low rise, which exactly. is also appealing for light and air. Correct. I also think that, um, and then just Tribeca is... It will always have that cobblestone aesthetic that also is mixed with the high end, you know, loftiness. Um, and it's just ever growing because of everything they're doing in the neighborhood with the city with regards to the piers. You know, um, like my closing yesterday was in Tribeca, not far from the water. And it's funny because they have never experienced those piers because they're buying in the winter. And I I just kept saying to them, just wait until it gets nice out because yeah. you're going to enjoy this even more than you do now. I, I tell buyers uh, in Tribeca, you can you can lead two separate lives. You can have, uh, you know, the piers. You can, you know, bring your kids to school. That's a good point. But then there is a nightlife element as well. And, you know, it's a high end nightlife. It's not like a rah, rah club, but you know, there's every, you know, major, you know, dining spot and uptown is now downtown. The whole world moved downtown. The yeah. whole world moved downtown. And that's, you know, I after the pardon. 9-11. I'm still uptown. Me I'm too. Uptown too. I, I, I'm still uptown, uptown here. Listen, I'm an upper West I'm downtown. Person, What's but, up? <laughs> but no, but I, but I agree with what he's saying because, you know, in this business 15 years, but 20 years ago, I almost bought an apartment in Tribeca. I liked Tribeca then. I like it even more today, and I think whatever Absolutely. you know we we morphed into after nine eleven has changed the whole downtown neighborhood. We're a lot more confident, and we actually want to be there. But Tribeca, I mean, the the I remember the days when you had to walk miles to get to a, a store, a movie theater, or anything. The, the uh, now popul- it's all over the place. The popularity of Tribeca is truly incredible, and how that's changed because there was a time when people. Something. Oh, that means a lot. I mean, it means that there's so much demand. It means that there's a reason for everyone going there. But there was a time. Louis is going to laugh at me for saying that statement. But there was a time when <laughs> people wouldn't live east of Church, and that and now you know people are going yeah. south of Murray. I wouldn't. I, I would about, I wouldn't walk east of Church. Right. in the day. I no. mean, think about you know a hundred Barclay, the Ralph Walker Building. Think about um, the Four Seasons residences. You well, know, those the, are the, south the, of Murray, and look people at the can, Woolworth Building coming out. Right, I mean, but like, like people who would want to live and the there, Four right? Seasons exactly like people which right. sold for outrageous number numbers. I mean, people. Used to consider Barclay Street, you know, Tribeca, like hidden behind the World Trade Center, and now people are buying for over three thousand, over four thousand square foot. And That's you have insanity. things like the Freedom Tower that becomes an anchor for the community. You have Brookfield, you have Westfield, you have all this shopping yes. opportunity. But there's also a massive tech boom that started with Google in 2005. Just Google alone went from. 50 employees to 2,000 mm-hmm. in 12 years. And they are, many of those have settled in that commute on the red line. Indeed. It, it's, it, do you specialize downtown? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm, I'm always fascinated with, you know, how, you know, the, the resurgence or whatever you want to say to it. Has, it's just, and it's still a neighborhood where, you know, even though all the changes are positive, people just want to be there. It's just amazing how they want to be there. They, you know, I've, I I sold a four-bedroom at 11 Northmore. Uh, we closed a few weeks ago. Great and, building. Uh, this is right before the election and went into contract. And, uh, you know, the, the buyer was in, is in finance. And I asked him, I said, aren't you worried about the election results, how it could affect the market? And he said, you know what? We just need a place to live. 
And I've rented them an apartment 11 Northmore nine months earlier, and they decide they want to buy in there. We moved upstairs. That, that's what we nice. want to live. We still that's have to great. buy. We still have to live here. We still have to do whatever. It doesn't matter the election results. It doesn't matter anything. If you need to buy, you have to buy. We have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning uh, New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're back in a moment. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com A client gave me the best compliment. He said, I'm the MacGyver of real estate. True, I'm resourceful and reliable. It was during a short sale that involved two banks and a foreclosure. And it was during the financial crisis. I pulled every trick out of my hat and we closed the deal. He said, if I was ever stranded on a highway at two in the morning, you'd be the first person I'd call. (laughs) I am known for answering the phone at all hours of the night. But what he didn't know was that I've even helped a client change a tire. I'm Elizabeth Key with CORE, and this is what I do. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, we are back for our fourth and final segment. Louise Phillips-Forbes is here from Halstead and Nile Lundgren Compass, Matthew Cohen from CORE, and Sean McPeak, special guest today from Compass. You wanted to say something, Matthew? We, Louise and I both wanted to say one more thing about Tribeca, because um, I think it's a neighborhood that we could talk about for an entire show, but I'm always fascinated about analyzing it, neighborhoods after they get very popular for different reasons, and I love looking at how Tribeca has gone the last few years from people started to move closer to Canal on Lispinard, which used to be like full of hookers, and I love that you know that became such a popular street. You're too, no young, offense, you're too young to know no that. No offense how to do the you hookers. Even know? I mean, Where were you hanging out there, Matt? <laughs> Listen, I know that, but there's no way that you could possibly... You read about it in his walking around like, right, Lisbonard. I like it. I looked in my encyclopedia. <laughs> yes, you no, did. No, no offense to the hookers, by the way. Uh, great street <laughs> to hang out on. Um, but but I love how all those all those buyers went down to streets like Lisbonard to get better deals just to stay in Tribeca. And Correct. now they go further south on Barclay to get better deals, which actually, I guess, is not you know, is even more expensive, but it's just so interesting how that shift happens in that such transformation. a small neighborhood. I have a small development project at 15 Hubert that I literally Love did that not. Street. Yeah, it's great. Love that street. It's a great little sleeper 12 unit boutique yeah. project. Love it. Uh, Nancy Ruddy and John Cetra um, did the build out and uh, the design. And literally we sold the base of that building without even having a sales off with, without having, I couldn't even let people into the building 
but it was really a location play with a name like Nancy Ruddy to to give them these great lofts. So we're excited. I still have penthouses coming on. Ooh, nice. And we'll look out for that. All right. So we're going to move on and do have a little bit of a lighter conversation for the last segment of the show. Because here we I, go. Lighter than I, the I, prostitutes. Well, well, well. It might happen here. I but it's a very the strong conversation. I, I was reading some research this past week, and I said, you know what? We all encounter so many things in our day as a real estate agent. So, and and I've had a couple of stories, as you can imagine. But anyway, being on the renting or buying side of the New York City real estate market is a strange enough experience, something akin to living out of a reality show, where we're willing, um, willingly open up our bank accounts, personal history, and various other things. Ideally, private areas for public prodding and prying. That's when you're buying a co-op. Of course, you got to kind of, as I always say, strip down in front of the board. But or look up your skirt. Or there you go. Financial colonoscopy. On West Bernard Street. I like that one. West <laughs> Bernard Street. But for the brokers, things are infinitely weirder. Apartment showings are like an anthology of bizarre tales full of eccentric characters and a surprising amount of people hiding in closets. Thrill list did a survey and reached out to some of the top real estate agencies and brokers in the city and found out what some of the weird stories uh, are out there. I'm going to just read one brief one and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, It's titled Trapped in the Closet. I found a construction worker having sex in an empty apartment before showing. When I entered with the client, the worker was getting dressed in the bedroom. So we went into the second bedroom and found the half-naked girl hiding in the closet. She screamed. We screamed. She ran out and the showing continued. I mean, look, that's pretty standard. It? Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the buyer ended up buying the apartment, but I mean, can you well, imagine? My question is, how, how could she? Was a construction how, guy. You know, how could she walk I'm in and they're having sex, but then he's getting dressed well, and they she's fit. in the closet? Well, maybe they want well, to they turn finished. the lights on. They, maybe they, they turn the lights on. The climax. They finished. All right. Okay, guys. Okay, I'm I'm having a visual. They finished, and he was getting dressed, and she was still fumbling in the closet, doing maybe reaching for her clothes too. Listen, you know, I will tell you one little quick one. I had a showing. I think it was actually in Soho years ago. It was in the beginning of my career. And um, it was a small one-bedroom apartment. And I don't remember who the, the listing agent was, but we walked in and, you know, and in those days I was kind of brand new and I'd say, is the apartment empty? You know, because it's easier when the apartment is empty because the buyers feel a little more at ease. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy goes to work pretty early in the morning. So he rings the doorbell as is customary. No one answers the door. He puts the key in the door. And um, he opens the door, and this couple was in, well, they were in the throes of something on the sofa because you walked right into the living room. And then they were going at it, and and the listing agent was very embarrassed and said, oh, excuse me, I didn't realize it. You know what? They didn't even stop. (laughs) Good for them. They didn't even (laughs) flinch. So my buyer was like, she ran out of the apartment. I ran down the stairs after her, and the listing agent just closed the door, and that was that. So, you know, there are many stories like that, you know, and I'm not going to take all the time to talk about them, but I have walked in on lots of stuff. A lot, yeah. lot of sex, but I... I, I no, more than sex. I was going to say, can we get off the sex? <laughs> I've, I've had somebody who didn't, who, who passed away in the night. Oh, dear. That, oh, that wow. was oh, a 103-year-old oh. gal, and um, that was awkward. And that is even more awkward when somebody says, well, did they die in the apartment? And, you have to disclose. You have to disclose. That's the you, yeah. if you know it. You have to disclose it exactly. Mm. That, that's, I had somebody listen. jump off of a off of a, a a terrace also, and you know people Google that, and it's pretty. 
Oh, geez. Well, I, on a less depressing note, um, <laughs> my friends well, always like to no, say that. No, I had one. I had that similar situation too. My friends always like to say that I'm kind of a plain guy and I live under a rock. But <laughs> so my story is probably just as boring. But I thought it was very funny that um, I was selling an apartment towards the beginning of my career and um, it was it was only a two bedroom but I was trying to emphasize how much closet space there was in the apartment um, and it, there, it was very high ceilings there were like 12 or 13 foot ceilings and I'm not the tallest person I'm like 5 foot 10 but I'm not the shortest either so I, I opened up this closet that was up to the ceiling I mean so huge um, and I'm as I'm opening it I'm telling the, the buyers it's amazing how big these closets are and how much stuff you could put in them. Mm -hmm. And I open the closet and everything from the cellar legitimately falls on my head, like every little piece of something. And I was like, so about that closet space, I have clothes hanging We can re-engineer it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the need for decluttering. Okay. Yeah, well, oh should have taped that. Ugh. Well, look. The, first of all, when you put apartments on the market, you know those of us who are are successful with our clients or sellers, and advise them to do these things, it becomes more successful. You know, I I have a listing now that one closet that we open. It's and and they of course everybody goes right to that one closet. Mm -hmm. And it's so overstuffed, you can't even see how big it is. And I keep saying, it's a really big closet. And somebody on Sunday looked at me and said, mm -hmm. no, 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 it is really. Trust me. Look in there. It's really a big closet. It's, you know, you got to do these things because people don't understand. Yeah. I was also running an open house one Sunday in Chelsea. And um, I, it's a one bedroom. And the one bedroom right next door, they had two front terraces. And the man next door decided he wanted to jump off the terrace right in the middle of my open house. And so we're, 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 we're doing this. And somebody looked out the window and saw him dangling on the – fortunately, it turned out to be they grabbed him. But can you imagine in the middle of an open house, somebody <laughs> dangling off the balcony? What floor? It was the fifth floor, so it would have been significant enough. But I mean, but the people inside <laughs> the open house beginning now, all started well running. Said, well, I mean, all started running chance. to the window, and here my donuts and my coffee for open house were like being ignored because they were all at the window. But you can well imagine why. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on those donuts. Come I can now. imagine. Oh my goodness! I mean, every funny story that I think could happen to a broker, I try and channel Phil Dunphy in Modern Family because he always goes through the funniest things. Like the last Modern Family episode I watched was him showing uh, a, a very modern house to this family, and the you know the 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 parents were like, I don't think it's very kid friendly, and so he brought Phil brought his own kid to the to the open house, and they're all playing around the kids and the buyers are like oh this actually seems great you're right like it really is kid friendly it's so much better than I thought and all of a sudden Phil's son falls on the stairs and he's like this house is awful this house is awful and it hurts and it's and it has too many sharp objects and it just makes me think of everything bad that can happen well when you're showing family apartments and families come in with their kids it's always it's always an episode because, you know, sometimes they're a little, you know, wild. And I had one one day where this little boy was running around the apartment doing one of these things, sweeping everything off the table, statues falling, ashtrays falling, whatever, books falling, just cleaning things off the table. And the mother's just standing there looking and say, oh, look at him. And I'm like... Excuse me. Uh, like, look at him. Look at him. You better go and get him, like, right now. Actually, I have to say, I was selling an apartment with a keyed elevator last year, and the mother brought two, two of her kids. One was in the stroller, and the stroller got caught in the keyed elevator. 
and it was going up and down. I can't believe I forgot that story. And she and I was trying to deal with her while like dealing with ten other buyers in the yeah. open house. So what's you know what is your focus there? <laughs> do you sell the apartment or do you save the child? That was a tough one. Well, <laughs> save the child. Sa- yeah, save, save the, the child, child is pretty good to me. But yeah. I, mean, I tried like, to do everything. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it, it's That's sort of like interference. There might be kids in the elevator, but I'm going to sell this. <laughs> Anyway, that is the show for today. We are out of time. Thanks to the panel and thanks to Sean for coming today. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or at vincerocco.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us and we will see you next week. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.